my plans are for him to be my next futurity hunt seater. He's so cool, though. He's just like so chill about everything. Bought him this year from Lisa Novacek. She raised him. She's raised a lot of famous hunt seeders, including All Good. She was a breeder for him. So yeah, well, he may show us a two. We'll see how he grows. If not, I'm not in a hurry. I, he strings to like 17-1. So if we need to wait till he's three, then I'll wait. And I try not to get attached to these things, but I do. And he's here. So I'm kind of already attached to him. So I may keep him longer than I was planning on. We'll see. on the rail at a jog please on the rail at a jog welcome to another episode of on the rail podcast jenna and i are actually the guests this week <laughs> we decided to record just conversation between us and hopefully you guys get to know us a little bit so yeah i think it would be fun for us to kind of have like a little Chitter chatter every so often interjected into our interviews. And so you guys can get a better feel for our personalities and kind of a little bit of what's going on in our lives. Not that it's always that exciting, but yeah, see what happens. So we kind of had a, a layout of how we were going to do things. So for anyone that listens to any co hosted shows, some like to go into a high versus low part and Jenna so happened to name ours (laughs) in the saddle for our high and in the dirt for our low, which we feel like is super fitting for our industry, of course. So Jenna, if you want to just go into your in the saddle moment for the week. In the saddle moment. So as much as I would like to do just my last week, which I could have a million things, I'm sure. But I'm still kind of running on my high of completing my first 5K, which was back in October. But I know I've like, I go on about this on my Facebook or whatever, but I'm like not a runner at all. And I kind of set this little challenge out to do it for myself and completed it and actually did really well of it. So I'm still really proud of myself for that. So running on on that high. What about you? I have done bare minimum physical exercise in the last month. So I am not on that level. But I don't know, my in the saddle moment, I think is within the last week or so, I have decided that I am keeping my hunt seater. And I will be showing in the next show season, which is amazing and also terrifying all at the same time. So I'm super excited that we're talking to Meredith next weekend. Well, (laughs) this will be released after that, but super excited about that. And now it's out there in the universe. So. Yeah. So I've, it's officially announced now, now that I'm saying it on our podcast. So super excited. We've been having really good rides. So I've decided that it's time that I go back to the show pen after a year off. So have you got any show date set yet or just going to see what happens? I do have at least one show that I know that I'm going to go to just because it makes sense with everything else that's going on, which is the little Buckeye for the Ohio amateurs. I was aiming for maybe the level ones, but we'll just see logistically how that works out. But otherwise my trainer won't have his schedule finished until 
don't know, the end of the month. So we don't have anything else yet. The good thing about living there in Ohio is it seems there are a lot of show options for you to oh, yeah. kind of choose from and a lot of good shows. It'll be fun and scary all at the same time, but it'll be well, worth it for you. Yes. Do you have any other running marathons on your agenda? No, actually. And I didn't plan on like continuing with this endeavor of mine, but I don't enjoy running. I will say that like when I'm doing it, I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I do like the feeling I have when I've completed one. However, I'm not like a cold weather winter, like outside oh, runner yeah. type. So the co-partner to the one that I did this in October, it was a major race in Kansas and then they have a spring one. So I'll probably for sure try and do that one. And if there's some other ones that pop up, you know, along the way, I may do it, but I'm not about like running when it's blizzarding outside. So I plan on keeping like my base conditioning intact though, because I don't want to have to get in shape completely again, because that's a lot of work. And when I started, I was like running two minutes at one time was hard for me. That's how bad I was. So my best friend in high school, we both did track and her dad was one of the track coaches and he would run all the time and would always be like he had a marathon like every four months or something. So he would always be like running. So, of course, when he was the track coach, he would go running with us. But he always talked about like the runner's high. So I'm imagining that's what you're feeling when you're finished. But I hate every <laughs> second of <laughs> I hate every second of running like even after I'm done, I'm sitting there like dying. So I just I don't enjoy it at all. That so. was always, always, always me. And I was always like, I don't know what the hell this runner's high thing is that people talk <laughs> about because it, it seems like miserable. And like I still said, when I'm running, I rarely am like, oh, I feel good. I could, you know, keep going kind of a thing. So I don't know if that's the runner's high when I'm done or if I'm just proud of myself for doing something that I suck at and finishing it. So there you go. I don't that know. might be it. And I'm not trying to pretend like that a 5K is some. Um, you know, I'm not running marathons or anybody, yeah. people. So I'm not trying to like make this a bigger deal than it is. But for me, who doesn't run, like I'm happy about my 5K. And I probably won't try and run any further than that. Three miles and change is enough for me. Yeah, further than I will ever. ever. <laughs> hey, that's what I always said. I never thought in a million years I'd do it. So never say never. So on that note, what has been your in the dirt moment? <sighs> so my in the dirt moment, this one's easy. I have a nine-year-old Newfie who on our last podcast interview was just like losing his mind and having a meltdown, but he has lymphoma and some cancer issues and he's just not doing well. So we're nowhere down to his last few weeks. Probably won't even make it to Thanksgiving at this rate. So oh, it's no. just hard. My husband and I got him as a brand new puppy literally the day after we got home from our honeymoon oh, when wow. we got married. So he's been part of our family from, from the beginning. So that's the part that sucks. It's always hard to lose them. Any of our animals, honestly, they leave us too soon, which is just mm -hmm. unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Dogs just don't live long enough. They don't. No. But that's what I keep wanting to get another Great Dane. And I have to remind myself that they just, the large breeds don't mm -hmm. get to stay as long with us as we would like them to. Yeah. Our newbie is a uh, nine years old and he was, we were told in March, you know, when we got his lymphoma diagnosis that he probably wouldn't make it. More than a few weeks if we didn't do chemo with him. And if we did, he might get two or three months, but he didn't enjoy the trips to the vet school and everything. So he just decided to roll with it. And here it's 
now November, so he's obviously made it a lot longer than they thought he was going to. And he's been happy the whole time, so we're thankful for that. But yeah, he's only nine, so we definitely haven't had him long enough. But anyway, what about you? That's depressing. And <laughs> I was like, that, yeah, that's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> I hope yours is, is not, not I, that bad. But Yeah, so honestly, I can't be mad that I don't have more to complain about. But I guess my in the dirt moment is going to be more so I I've went through a lot in the past year and I bought my own house about eight months ago and I have slowly been refinishing it and doing all this work and it's been a little bit more than I thought it was going to be. So I definitely bit off more than I could chew. But on that note, I'm not going to be finishing this house. I'm actually selling it and I'm moving. So it's like a, I don't know, it's good and it's bad because I had high hopes for this house. But honestly, at the same time, I'm like so burnt out on like finishing it that I'm kind of glad it's just going to like go away. (laughs) So it's bittersweet. (laughs) Yeah. So I can't complain. It's been a decent little house for eight months, but. I don't know. Life is crazy and you never know what's going to happen. So So are you relocating to a different area or just different house? I am actually going to be moving like two hours north. So it's going to be different, more cold because I always said I wouldn't go north. I would go south, but it'll be good. It kind of leads into like just new business opportunities and just life changing. It's different Mm -hmm. and exciting. Kind of, I don't know. It's like different for sure. Well, that's like a maybe a perfect segue into our next little bit. We thought we'd touch on like business. We both kind of have our own businesses, more or less within the horse industry. Yeah. So just what's the business updates? So everyone knows, well, maybe not everyone knows because it's not that big, but it's been big to me for the past, I don't know, three and a half years, actually 2019. So that would, yeah, almost four years now. February of 2019 is when I started. But my magazine, we're actually, so Millennial Cowgirl is getting moved over from more of the magazine side to more of a all-inclusive media company to just do more of the things that I was enjoying with the magazine. So going to shows, getting media passes, getting those shots that everyone loves, those candid moments that nobody gets to see usually. And I just think it builds more of what everyone's there for. You're working, you're loving on your horse, you're getting him ready. I just like capturing those moments that maybe you don't get to see yourself doing. Just for more of that, just why we do what we do. To most people, they think we're crazy that we spend so much money and time and just everything within that involves showing horses. So I like capturing those moments. And then with this podcast, it's led to more of a, different outlet of creativity. So that's been really fun. But Millennial Cowgirl funds most of my portion of this podcast. So I would like to be able to get it going a little bit more for all of you guys, which is why I'm kind of switching over to a media company instead of just a digital magazine. So I don't really know what that's going to look like yet. But it definitely won't be a monthly issue anymore, like it once was. And I want to offer some writing services, freelance, like just writing articles and doing that sort of thing. So 
Don't know what that's going to look like yet, but for the move that I'm making, I will have a mobile trailer and at some point a brick and mortar once the barn is redone of just high quality rideware. I don't feel like our industry gets that enough. We have a lot of the Western boutiques and of course the clothing is adorable, but it doesn't really serve us when we're trying to ride and do work. So that's what Punchy 53 is going to be which is the new business. So I'm excited about that. So it's almost kind of like athletic wear for writers in a way, but with more of a Western-y yeah. flair than what we see like in the hunter-jumper writer. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. Maybe? So it's just going to be more, I don't want to say that the Western boutique type clothing is cheap, but you just, you won't go out and ride in that or be able to work in that. And so I want to offer, you know, jeans that are comfortable, stretchy, high quality so they're not gonna like rip and tear and just you know turn into a painting pair of jeans like you know what I mean and then have great fitting like not dressy clothing but a nice t-shirt that wicks sweat and just you know some vests so we're I'm currently getting the western like winter clothing figured out because I want to have my trailer done in January. So I'll have vests, some coats, long sleeve button ups, some nice t-shirts to wear under it, hoodies, but just being able to work and ride at the same time. And, you know, if you rip a pair of your jeans at a horse show, you'll be able to go to the trailer and find a nice pair of riding jeans, not, you know, the designer type jeans where you want to go out to a concert or go out to eat to a nice restaurant sort of thing. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, that sounds really cool and kind of your own little niche, even in the, you know, clothes b- boutiques that are around at the yes. horse shows. So that's cool. You got a lot of irons in the fire, though, with all these little business ventures. So it'll be fun to see how that. How yeah, that I thrive in chaos. So it's, it's a great time to just, it keeps my mind busy. So then I can't think of other things to do. <laughs> so I just keep myself busy on four different things at once. It's funny you say that, though, because, again, Liz and I did not know each other before the podcast, so we're, we're not like we have a, a lot of history to know each other that well. But the time I have spent with Liz is like, you say you thrive in chaos, but yet you're still very, like, organized and dedicated, and you're not, like, absent-minded like you would think people that love the chaos lifestyle goes. So. I think it's the Virgo in me. I don't know. Do people <laughs> believe in that still, all of that astrology stuff? I don't know. Virgos are apparently very strategic and organized in there and the things that they do. So I don't know. I'm going to blame that, I guess. Yeah. Well, no better time than the present to do it all. That's so, fair. That's yes. Cool. I'm excited to see where all that goes for you next year. And, you know, we are, we always joke that we're going to overtake Joe Rogan one of these days as a podcast. So we got to, we got to fund this podcast somehow. That's yeah. So that's part of that <laughs> barn remodel is I'm going to put a podcast studio in there. So then whoever wants to record in person and then you can come record in person, mm-hmm. obviously. And then we'll have that glam squad <laughs> that we were talking about the other day. Yeah. Glam Squad for sure, because there'll be video podcasts at that point, and yeah, we'll have like a year-long wait list to get on it, I'm sure, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, you got to aim high if you want to, you know, you just got to put it out there into the universe and then it'll happen. Yeah. So we've always joked since we started this thing, we're like, Joe Rogan, we're coming for you. Not that we ever in a million things that a horse <laughs> podcast is ever even going to like 
you know, scratch the surface of like 0.5% of his listeners, but still aim big, go big or go home. Exactly. (laughs) So on that note, I have businesses and you also have a business. So why don't you tell everyone what you do and what's exciting and new that you're doing this year? Yeah. So like Liz kind of briefly said, I'm like, we both have our little businesses in the horse industry and that right now that's how we each fund our portion of this podcast. Cause unfortunately it's not just free to do all this, at least do it, you know, with quality and, you know, make you guys not listen to all kinds of crazy stuff going on in the background. But I have a business called Ride Fit Life and it is online based fitness coaching for riders, equestrians, mostly people in our, you know, subset of the horse industry and stock breeds and whatever. And actually it's been doing, this is my first year mostly to be doing it like full time. I worked with my husband and his business forever and still help him out like one day a week, typically if I so choose to. (laughs) And so this has been like a full-time thing for me. I really enjoy it most days. It's hard for me as an introvert. I mean, I'm not like a shy person, but I'm an introvert for sure. And so carrying the weight of people and their expectations and their goals and their feelings and talking to people on a regular basis in a way like I love to listen to them and hear their results and help them navigate through things. And that's exciting to me, but it also can be draining at times. So that's kind of been my learning experience this year is just how to like balance everything because I do care so much about all my clients, but you know, everything's going well got, you know, just a great group of people that are my clients right now. I have, you know, other people reaching out to me that may come on board, which is always funny to me because it's it's an interesting time. I don't know when this podcast will come out, but it's getting into the holidays. Um, yeah. And I think after the first of the year, you know, everybody has big goals there. But then I also think after the first year, I'm going to kind of be launching a new product service offering. I don't want to say too much yet, but I'm kind of working on that and we'll be probably at a little lower price point for people so I can help more people. I'm always trying to think of like, how can I help the most people? And I don't want it to always just be, you know, whether you can afford it or not. So we'll look for that. So that's kind of the thing I got in the works right now. But yeah, that sounds exciting. Yeah. Like you, I'm always just thinking, 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 thinking. I'm like a hamster wheel. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's just like, instilled in anyone that wants to pursue any type of entrepreneurial like journey or whatever we're just con- like that wheel is always turning and we're always thinking of like oh what can we do next what can i do better etc that introvert comment kind of cracked me up cuz we were talking the other day about on our so we batch record for anyone that was curious so we pick two sundays usually a month and then we set up our interviews and then we're recording all day So we were just kind of joking the other day about like having to have that mood or be mentally prepared for all of the talking and like questions and, and Jen always does a great job because I'm, I've been quiet recently, but we each try to get a guest, but if somebody brings somebody on, we usually, I usually let Jenna handle hers and then I, you know, do mine, but yeah, it's a lot of talking for people that are kind of like (laughs) for us. Yeah. We don't, her and I are very similar, which is what's so funny because we didn't know each other previously, (laughs) but we're very much alike. And as she said, she's not shy. I'm not really shy, but like I have a social bar. So sometimes it gets a little bit stretched out and then, you know, 
Yeah. One thing I heard that like, was perfectly describes like introverts versus extroverts is like extroverts get in a crowd of people and they like get energy and they get, you know, you know, more out of it and they feel like more energetic. Whereas an introvert like starts with a full tank, but when they're in a crowd of people, it like drains it. And I'm like, that's me. That is so me. Like, I, I mean, I don't hate people by any means. I love interactions with people, especially horse people for the most part. But yeah, conversations is like draining to me. So I'm, I'm I'm a loner. I could easily be a loner. Yeah. I always have those like moments in the evening where I just like sit and I'm like, okay, I can decompress. <laughs> <your> yes. <laughs> it's just quiet and I can just sit here and then I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's funny because my husband is like the polar opposite of me. I mean, he is extroverted as it gets. He can talk to anybody about anything for any length of time. You know, and it's so funny to me that like we get along like we do. And I think we're good about like each having our own space and he travels all the time anyway. So I think that's probably why it, why, why it really works. But yeah. So for anyone interested, we do have, for anyone that loves the show and would like to sponsor, I'm just going to throw a little jab in there. We do have a sponsorship kit that you can find on our website on the railpodcast.com for anyone that would like to sponsor us in any way that just allows us to continue doing what we're doing, but hopefully get better as we go on. We have high hopes for the podcast and we keep our guest lineup is just more intriguing and interesting as we go on. So it's super fun getting to talk to everyone and super excited about Meredith's live, even though this is going to drop after her live, but It'll be super interesting to have all of those. And we would hope to do more live episodes like that, just talking to great people in the industry. And you guys would be able to ask your questions and get answers right then. Yeah, absolutely. On that sponsorship packet, which is great because Liz has designed like an actual PDF downloadable packet that details everything about what you would get and for the different price levels. And there are multiple levels. So that's really cool. It's nice to have somebody on the podcast that is great with that type of thing because that is not my jam at all. But we also, I think, in the future would like to do some live podcasting from maybe some of the bigger horse shows and that type of thing too. So that's all stuff in the works maybe next year. Who knows? Yes. Super excited. I mean, honestly, you guys have been great listeners and we're on episode 13 will drop tomorrow, which is the 7th. So, you know, a month and a half or three and a half months ish, three months, if I can math, you guys have been super awesome. You have grown our podcast quite a bit. So we're super excited about that. We appreciate all the feedback we get from everybody. Like to hear your comments and always, you know, this brings up the please like, share, subscribe, tell everybody. That joy thing that we always forget to say. <laughs> yes, we never say that at the end of our podcast. We need to have like a note on our laptop or something that one of us needs to jump in there. We do. We're never going to make it to Joe Rogan status. No. Unless we remember to say that. No, but one of our past guests, Elizabeth, she always says that we make Mondays great. So that's going to be our slogan on some merch and stuff once we get that going. That'll be nice. Yeah. Making Mondays great again. So we were going to have general conversation. 
usually Jen and I have great conversation when we're not recording. So it's kind of, it feels awkward that we're going to I'm not force it, but like it feels pressure to make conversation. But the world show is going on right now. I'm just trying to list out some things. Show season is going to be over usually, like for most people after November. For a lot of people. Yeah. I know like Color Break Congress is going on in Tulsa and the app world is either just finishing up or somewhere. So yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be wrapping up their show seasons. Speaking on that, it's really interesting that they have the Appaloosa World Show during the Color Congress. Do they like overlap? Yes. So going back a few years back, Color Break Congress started after, I think even when Paint World was in November. So it used to be like the Paint World was split then or was together in the summer like it is back now. And then they split it to Youth in the Summer and the Open and Amateur in November early November. So it was like App World went, then there was like a couple of days in between and then Paint World started. And then somewhere in there, Pento started their Congress and it was just Pentos at first. And I can't remember if that started right before Paint World split, but then once Paint World was going on at the same time as they opened it up to the whole like color breed Congress. So now it's like they have Appaloosas, you know, Palominos, Buckskins, you know, they, they like pull from a larger a larger thing. So yeah, there's still a lot going on right now at one time. That is a lot. I know there's only so many dates available, so it's like hard to get off of other associations, but you know, it's I like we always say, we're all better together. It's unfortunate that some of these shows have to fall on top of each other. It would be pretty awesome for eventually once we've grown, I think Color Congress would be fun to attend and do some interview stuff and chat with people. I've always wanted to go yeah. to that one. It seems fun. Obviously, after Quarter Horse Congress, it would be interesting to see the flip side of the color. Yeah, I don't think it's anything like Quarter Congress, <laughs> like not even on the same spectrum. But I do think it's a little bit different, like a subset of the industry that probably doesn't get highlighted enough in a lot of ways and a lot of people that just enjoy showing. Yeah, it would be fun to do lots of different things. You just need to like come spend the end of or early November in this part of the country, Oklahoma. Yeah, literally everything is going like, on on that oh, side. A whole bunch of shows. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you are showing next year now. Yes. Planning on that. So I know you took this whole year off. We both took this whole year off and that's been, you know, for, for many different reasons. But what are your reservations about showing next year and what's your kind of like outlook on where you stand on things with yourself so I've never really shown hunt seat competitively like when I was a youth kid I would do it but like I didn't know what I was doing and it was just like a filler class because as a youth kid you're you're just full of energy so you don't want to like sit around so back in my 4-H days I would just go in throw a hunt saddle on and just go for it but my mom always had this reservation of never allowing me to have a horse bigger than like 15 two hands for what I don't know why like she just never it was a no like you can't have anything bigger than this so when I was 18 I bought a little red filly she was western pleasure bred super cute I kept her until I was like 20 it just came up on my Facebook memories the other day I think it was like 21 or 22 when I bought her and then I sold her when I was 25 26, 
I might have been 26. But after I sold her, I actually didn't sell her, but I found my current horse, Lincoln, for sale. And I ended up buying him before I sold her. But I was an adult and I found this giant hunt seater and I always wanted to try showing hunt seat. So I bought him. And the first year was a little rough. We had an accident in February of the I bought him in October that February he had an accident. So and then that was the year COVID started. So we didn't really have a show season. And so we were just riding and I would take him to some smaller shows and it was fine. But I still wasn't ever fully comfortable in my hunt saddle. And like, I know that was on me because I never wanted to ride in my hunt saddle. (laughs) Yeah. So the following year, last year, 2021, we had a good show season was getting more comfortable. Life things happen, you know, just things happen. So took all of last year off. My reservation is I have to hold myself accountable to riding in my hunt saddle. So we've started off well so far in November. I've I've been making myself ride with no stirrups because, you know, no stirrup November. I was gonna ask if you're doing no stirrup November. Yes. So that's where I'm starting. And then my trainer called me out yesterday and asked and questioned why my hunt saddle wasn't out there. So I think next week I'm going to start taking my hunt saddle out with me to the barn. And once a week I have to ride in it. That's what I'm going to hold myself to. I go in phases where I'm like, yeah, it's just extra work to ride in the hunt saddle because you got to either put on breeches and boots or put on mm-hmm. half jabs, which really isn't that big of a deal. But then I'll be like committed to riding in the hunt saddle and then I'll get to where like I only want to ride in the hunt saddle because I'm like it's less saddle. You just can move more and everything. But yeah, I mean, I do like most people don't want to ride in it. Well, so this is the thing. It's like it's more lightweight to throw up on a 17-3 hand horse. And then my only I hate putting the girth on the hunt saddle. It is so (laughs) and I don't know, maybe I'm doing it like the hardest way possible, but like for whatever reason, I always struggle putting it on. And my horse is now like super fat, but he's also fit at the same time. Like he's super (laughs) wide now. And I just know it's going to like, and it's probably a good thing if I pull out my hunt saddle, because I probably need a bigger girth at this point. I was like, yeah, make it easy on yourself. But yeah, I just, I don't know. And then like, there's nothing, there's nothing to hold on to there. Not that I hold on to anything in my Western saddle. You just feel more secure. I don't know. I need you to start put an emergency strap or on the front. Like when I started riding, I rode at a hunter jumper barn. So we we learned to ride in hunt saddles. And they have what I don't even remember what they're called, but like they're they hook to the D rings on the front of your hunt saddle. Oh yeah. And it's an emergency strap. An oh shit strap. Yeah, an oh shit strap. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. No, you'll be fine. Oh. It'll feel like right at home after you just commit to it do it yeah that's my problem like and that's what I said to him too when I decided I was going to show I was like I gotta at least ride in it once a week because I need to get better and just more comfortable at riding in it so I'm like taking it as a challenge at this point that I'm just gonna get used to riding in it and I'm gonna go out to the first show and kill it not that I need to place just go out and have a good ride that's all Mm -hmm. I'm like envisioning for whatever show we decide that we're doing first. I don't know where when it's going to be, but. I think that's great. And also, when we do our live with Meredith, we can 
you know, we can talk. You oh, can be yeah. like a subject. Yeah. We'll just peel back all of Liz. <laughs> yeah. My anxiety is already like me. We're like, we need a six-month anti-anxiety plan for Liz. We can start yeah. now so that by the time the show pen comes around, you're ready. So my trainer and his wife were out in the arena the other day. I don't know. It was like day two of no stirrups. And they're like, why haven't you dropped your stirrups yet? And I'm like, I'm still warming up. And they're like, are you nervous? I was like, yeah, you all are watching me. And they're like, good, we're going to get you ready for when you go show. And I'm like, great. I just love being watched so much. <laughs> That's like one. It's of harder when your trainer watches you than like random people in the stands, though. Exactly. It's way more pressure. I'm like y'all are making me nervous watching me. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I felt that way. So my older show mare, she pleasure drives, and Brian Holmes is the one that broke her to drive. And he is, we, we call him the goat because he's great and one of, if not the best ever with uh, the pleasure driving horses. And my mare's super quiet and the best horse to learn on to learn to pleasure drive, very safe, very unflappable, you know, like all the type of things you would want. But driving in front of Brian is the most nerve wracking experience oh, ever because he is a perfectionist and a half. And when you're just learning to pleasure drive and hold reins and like you have such a, you know, like an automatic feeling to like want to use your legs to get the horse to like move more speed up. But well, you can't, you're sitting in a cart, like you're almost helpless. So to kind of feel helpless and it's like, you're trying to learn how to ride a bike again. It's so foreign and to have to do that in front of Brian Holmes was like, talk about just, I feel you. Cause I'm like, I was always like terrified, <laughs> so terrified, but he's great. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to begin on that discipline. I've never in my, oh man, 20 plus years now, I was 11, 10, I don't know, 19 years. I don't know. Anyway, I've never thought I'd be interested in it, but I love watching the pleasure driving, but just, I don't even know where you start on learning all of what you do in that class, like any driving class. It's just crazy. I'm not even sure I do. And honestly, I wouldn't just be like, okay, I'll drive any old horse. Like I'm very familiar with my mare. I've had her since she was six months old. We bought her as a weanling and she is now 10. Obviously she's not showing this year. She's now in full and has a year off and stuff. So not showing this year, but I was like, I learned on her and she was pretty forgiving with us. But to just like get, get in the cart behind any horse, I would feel like a fish out of water all over again. So I, most people are like scared of it for the right reasons. There's this, and maybe I shouldn't bring it up, but there's this video on YouTube of, I think it was an Arabian. I was like, is this the Arabian show? I think everybody has seen that. Yeah. That oh, has, that scarred me for life. Now at this point, I just, all of the things that could go wrong, literally went wrong in one glass. Yeah. I know. I think crazy. that an SBA pleasure driving was pretty good size this year, which is fabulous to see because it's grown every year just since I've been doing it. So I love that pleasure driving is getting more recognition. And even when we started doing it, you know, NSBA didn't recognize it as a class. Fun fact, I won the first amateur pleasure driving at the NSBA. Ooh. So I always got that. I was like, I was the first. That's going to be a quiz question <laughs> for all you listeners. But anyway, yeah, there was a lot of traffic this year. And thankfully, that pen there in Tulsa is very large. But yeah, it's uh, not for the faint of heart. And I, it, I would not want to drive a horse in traffic that wasn't like very responsive and quiet. So yeah, 
You said you've had your mare since she was a weanling, and that reminded me that you have a new weanling. Do you have any plans with him this year? No. Just growing up in my pasture, and we'll be growing up in my pasture next year. Not sure if we'll even show him as a two. I mean, he's my plans are for him to be my next futurity hunt seater. He's so cool, though. He's just, like, so chill about everything. Bought him this year from Lisa Novacek. She raised him. She's raised a lot of famous hunt seeders, including All Good. She was a breeder for him. So, yeah. Well, he may show as a two. We'll see how he grows. If not, I'm not in a hurry. I, he strings to, like, 17-1. So if we need to wait till he's three, then I'll wait. And I try not to get attached to these things, but I do. And he's here, so I'm kind of already attached to him. So I may keep him longer than I was planning on. We'll see. Nothing wrong with that. Your videos of him always crack me up. He's so cute. I, yeah, he had, we say he's like, he's got all the chill in the world. So he lives with the donkeys. <laughs> oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm sure they teach him some manners too. Sometimes mm-hmm. they seem like good mentors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Donkeys are the best. Everybody needs one or two in their lifetime. They're just like, we say they're a mix between like cats, dogs. What do I say? A goat. I don't even remember, but yeah, they're all, they're nothing like horses, but in the best way for the most part. And they're way more rational than horses. Did you see that Premier Cyrus has added $10,000 to a maiden four-year-old trail class? Trail. I did. I like that. That's awesome. I think what's really cool about that is that it's maiden. Has there ever, I just off the top of my head, I'm like, is there another maiden trail fraternity where they can't have ever been shown in trail before this like money? That's awesome. I would love to see that. That'll be interesting for sure. Mm -hmm. I would like to go down to Kentucky for that show this year. Mm -hmm. Well, technically next year, I guess, but. Yeah, I think it's a very well run show. Everything I've heard about it is everybody really likes it and who doesn't want to go to Kentucky Horse Park sometime in their life. Exactly. I'm actually debating. So my boy's sire just got into the premier sire. So technically I could pay a fee to get him enrolled in premier. I'll have to check out their classes mm-hmm. because he'll be, he'll be a senior technically this year. So I'll have to see if they have anything good for a senior boy. Yeah. I think it's a great program other than the NSBA programs and whatnot it's definitely becoming one of the more popular ones out there so obviously claire binkowski shout out to you Mm -hmm. for doing a great job running that and i think it's gonna continue to grow from here definitely also just since we're giving shout outs to shows giving more money is i know march the arch is doing uh more money for the hunt seaters which we had Hmm. Marley's episode on talking about yeah getting more money there and i know the virginia fraternity there that Megan Tierney puts on. Um, they've got good money. So yeah, lots of stuff, good stuff happening next year. Yeah, I just actually inquired with that Virginia fraternity on a media pass oh. this week. So that'd be interesting. Real life pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We'll see how it goes. I've been filling out a new calendar, I guess, for 2023, trying to figure out you know, what shows would be good to go to being a vendor and with a media pass and like September. And I think it was June or July. There's only like one weekend with nothing happening right now. And I'm like, I only have four or five different show associations in there so far. So the summer might be busy. Busy. Yeah. Sounds like it'll be busy. I did hear that I don't 
rumor mill, everybody, not official. We have no official knowledge of this, but the sudden impulse fraternity that was at the WEC in Ocala in April allegedly is not happening next year. So I guess you can wonder about that. We've reached out to them a couple of times to see if somebody wants to come talk to us. So far, they haven't. So it's interesting, especially since the championship show didn't happen mm-hmm. in October. Yep. They had the, was it the Ranch World show or the ARHA American Ra- or American Ranch Horse Association? Was I don't it? remember. I don't know. What association it was, but they had a world show there in July that seemed like it went well. But otherwise, I don't know what other stock or something westerny. Yeah. 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 I'll be, I know they're, you know, they have good participation in their hunter jumper stuff. And that's probably where their bread and butter is. That's a whole different industry. And of course, if we think our stuff is expensive, that's on a whole nother level of stalls, braiders, and all of that. So there probably is more money to be made. But you know, like NSBA is now sponsoring that or sanctioning that for their sole reason because of the WEC stuff. And so it's odd that they're now kind of parting ways with stock stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, none of this is official. I don't know this. This is all hearsay rumors. So yeah. take it for what it's worth. Speaking of the Hunter Jumper stuff and bringing up the amateur group that you run on Facebook, there was an interesting conversation the other day about costs of showing with your trainer or barn Mm -hmm. or however you want to split your hauling and all of that kind of stuff. But somebody on there had a screenshot of somebody's tab for one of those hunter jumper shows. And it was like $18,000. And I was like, yes, for one show circuit. And I'm assuming it's for the ones that like last a month or whatever, but still like how, how does one afford that? I know, again, I have never, I mean, I did hunter jumper shows as a, you know, local shows as a kid, but not at that level by any stretch of the imagination. And I know that they like have groom, like you have to pay your groom daily. They also braid every day. They don't braid and put slinkies on like we do. So they they braid and unbraid every day. So that's why braiders love to do them because they make, I mean, four times the amount of money at those shows than they do at ours. That's crazy. So it's just a different world. But yeah, yeah, I'm like, I don't I don't understand. I mean, our shows are expensive enough. The whole setup of it and just the experience is expensive. I don't know how the average person, frankly, doesn't afford to do that. There's no way. There's just yeah. no way. That's crazy. Which is a whole nother can of worms we could get into. Maybe topic for another day. So I know we have an, another interview coming yep. up. So we probably need to wrap this one up. Yep. So thank you all for joining us on this little chatter episode. Like, share, Share. subscribe, comment on Facebook. We'll get better at this. I I promise it's just (laughs) going to take practice. But we will catch you guys on the flip side. See everyone. All right, that'll be your class. Bring them in and line them up.